Welcome everybody to You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and business manager, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor, Bryce Totes and staff writer, Kevin Garcia. Hey guys, how's it been going this throughout this past weekend? It's been nice. Go ahead. It's been nice, nothing to complain about like Kevin was about to say, so. Yeah, I can't complain. I had a pretty good holiday. Did you guys have a good holiday? Oh, oh yeah, I did. I had a pretty fun weekend, but and did see uh, one of the baseball games for FU on Saturday, and we're gonna head straight right right into that as FU baseball. While they did have a disappointing seven six defeat at uh, Miami, who was ranked second in the country at the time on last Tuesday, they did bounce back by sweeping a three game series against the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Winning Thursday's matchup 5-3, surviving a nail-biter 8-7 on Friday. Then finishing Western Kentucky off 9-3 in Saturday's game, which I attended and was overall their best performance on both sides of the ball. So, guys, how do you evaluate on FU's performance throughout the past week? Yeah, this week was um, a little interesting. They had a pretty good shot at beating Miami on Tuesday um, and had an atrocious eighth inning. Um, but they bounced back against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky has been struggling in conference USA play all season. So they took advantage of that. Um, they had to make some pretty decent defensive plays on Thursday. Uh, they were fortunate enough that Western Kentucky committed a bunch of errors. Then they played a tight one on Friday, but they were able to pull it out. And then the bats were just, completely alive on Saturday and they dominated that game 100%. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit worried about Thursday's performance. I mean, that, like you said, Western Kentucky put up a lot of errors. They put up five errors and we only scored five runs. So we didn't really do a good job of capitalizing on their mistakes. As good of a job as, as we would have liked to see, but the game on Friday, I happened to be in attendance for that one. Uh, it was a thriller. Um, it's, it, it, it harps back to some of the things that we've been saying before in prior episodes that, Really, it's home runner bust for this team a lot of times on offense. Um, you know, that I mean, the fact that Western Kentucky, they've, they've been struggling, like you said, in conference play. Overall, they've been struggling. It's not a great sign that, that like, two to three games were pretty close. Ideally, you would have liked to see at least, like, two blowouts like we saw on Saturday. But still, the performance was gutsy. They could have easily phoned it in. But Shane McGrath came up big on Friday with that that um, the game-winning home run in the bottom of the eighth inning. That ended up being the game-winning home run. The bullpen got the job done. That was all positive and welcoming sights to see. I yeah. do want to give props to, you know, the team's ace as well. Hunter Cooley has been lights out. Yes. It's just a complete game on Thursday. Over 100 pitches for, I believe, either the fourth or fifth straight time. Um, and all three of the runs he allowed were in that first inning and then through eight shutouts. So it's been nice from the starting pitcher standpoint. But on the offensive side, like you said, Kevin, Kevin, it's, you know, home run or bust. And then the bullpen's had its issues too. Yeah, um, going to Saturday's game, it was a very solid victory on both ends. Uh, the offense, especially Gabriel Rincones Jr., hitting another home run for his 13th of the season, currently leading the team in that category. Uh, Nolan Shaniel coming next with 12 homers and Dylan Goldstein, who did nail a homer, uh, getting his 10th. And of course, Jackson Ross and Shane McGran contributing on Saturday. It's just overall great performance and the pitching 
while still needing to work out its consistencies, um, Tyler Burnham did have a solid performance after five innings on Saturday, only conceding a run, even though it wasn't his fault. It was basically a, a fielding error that uh, Western Kentucky got their first of three runs throughout Saturday. But overall, it's, it's, a, it's a major improvement for the team, and hopefully they can keep it up as they as at the time, time of this recording on Tuesday, they are taking off for their Gulf Coast at 6.30 p.m. at Fort Myers. And after that, they will head to Norfolk, Virginia to take on Old Dominion from Friday to Sunday from April 22nd to April 24th. We're hoping for the best of what happens on that end. And that will conclude our section for FU Sports. Now we head to National Sports. And throughout this past weekend, we had a very exciting time with every game one of the NBA playoffs. Some were, a few were blowouts, a few were very close games, but the most noteworthy one was Nets and Celtics on Easter Sunday. So guys, what do you think of uh, that game in particular? Because I have a lot to say, but I want to know your idea guys thoughts on that. Oh, that was by far my favorite game of the first round so far. Um, I thought it was the most competitive. It was the closest game. It was back and forth. I just, I had so much fun watching that game. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a hell of a game. You know, I mean, it, it like, a lot of people are overreacting a little bit and saying this has potential to be one of the greatest first round series of all time. I don't want to go there just yet. Um, I, I do think there are a lot of problems that Brooklyn has defensively that Boston exploited. I mean, that the, the game-winning layup, as great as it was by Jason Tatum, is inexcusable from a defensive front on the Brooklyn Nets side. Like, the fact that they allowed Tatum to have a free run to the rim. We've all seen the, the clip of Kevin Durant kind of ball-watching and falling asleep on defense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, you know, th that was tough. That was tough to watch. Um, but I, I think – I don't know. I don't know if Brooklyn can really stop this team. I don't know if this series is going to be as close as people think it is. Well – um, it props up major props to Boston for getting it done on game one, especially in the clutch defensively on defense and offense. First on defense for getting the stop against Kyrie and Kevin Durant, uh, having Durant miss the three and getting the board. And props to their head coach, Ime Yudoka, for not calling the timeout and trusting his team to actually get the job done on the other side of the court with the offensive play that they thought up. And Marcus Smart making the right making the right call for not shooting the three and just going inside and fighting, find, uh, finding Tatum, driving inside the paint, uh, spinning past Kyrie for that game-winning layup. It was just overall a great play for Boston and just shows what they are really capable of. And so they make a deep run in the postseason. Can I ask you, Rich, as a Celtics fan, was that like the biggest sigh of relief to see Marcus Smart not take a terrible shot there with two defenders on him? Um, Marcus Smart has been much better this season. So I don't really have that much concern of him taking threes because he's been a lot better this season. But yeah, it was amazing to see Marcus Smart pass up a three, actually go inside and find Tatum going inside to get that game-winning layup. It was just brilliant all around. And the, the Marcus Smart of old would have been like like Kobe and just shot a three right there. But, you know, it, it's, it's really great to see. I mean, Yudoka's had an impact on him. Yeah. And as we look at the other playoff games, uh, Miami uh, kicked uh, Atlanta out of the curb with that, with that victory in game one. Very dominant. 
Uh, Bryce, what do you think of Miami's performance to start the playoffs? Oh, I can't complain as a Miami Heat fan. You know, it's everything I wanted to see, a blowout. And then heading into tonight, which is game two, as of this recording, they're another seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I just think it's going to be an easy series for Miami to get past. And Atlanta just doesn't have anything on them. Atlanta is not the same team they were a year ago. I'm nervous about the spread on that, though. I think Atlanta, yes, they're not the same team, but Miami is also not great at covering, especially at home. So I don't know. I feel like this game could be close. I mean, yeah, not, nothing that we saw in game one was evidence that this game will be close, but I'm just trying to be a little optimistic here. I, I just can't believe this Atlanta Hawks team has taken a, a downturn the way that they have. It's just, it's tough to believe. I mean, really, they just weren't making shots. They shot under 40% in game one, and Trey Young was very, very lackluster on the scoring end with his shooting struggles. And even him and Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was also ice cold and shooting in game one. So we should expect a better Atlanta squad come for game two. And another series that I'm pretty surprised about is the, the Raptors Sixers series. I, th- I would think the Raptors uh, would have done much better than they actually did. And they're out down 2-0 to Philly uh, with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Uh, just going off on them while James Harden continues taking a back seat, who is not really performing at his best, but still playing solid enough to the point where Philly's just taking Toronto out of the game. Uh, what do you think of this of that series at the moment? I'm surprised. Go ahead. I'm surprised at it, honestly. I didn't think it would be two nothing at this point. Um, Tyrese Maxey, I think, is the difference maker, honestly, right now. It's surprising for me to see how successful he's been and been able to carry the team over the first two games. And if he keeps up this momentum, Philadelphia could take this game pretty, or not this game, but this series pretty quickly. Yeah. The, the impact of the loss of Scotty Barnes for the Raptors is not talked about enough. I mean, he got hurt in game one and that's just, it's tough. He's like, he's essentially their best player. And yeah, I mean, James Harden at this point is a point guard. He's not really the James Harden of old. But if he can continue to get the best out of Maxi and, and even Joel Embiid, yeah, I don't, I don't really see the Raptors holding up. Yeah, and looking at the other games, uh, a surprising win by Minnesota against Memphis on last Saturday. Um, Anthony Edwards just really came onto the scene with 36 points against John Morant's 32. Carl Anthony Towns had a much better game than he had in the play-in against the Clippers. So... As you see Minnesota as a potential dark horse in this series against uh, Memphis, uh, what do you think this series might actually go down to? Because these two teams are very quite young. Yeah, I mean, with this like with this one, it, a lot of people went into it like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion that the, the Grizzlies are going to sweep the Timberwolves. And I think we talked about this last week that a lot of people are going to were underestimating Minnesota. And yeah, Carl Anthony Towns had a great game. You know, John Moran had a great game. But really, like, the, the worrisome statistic here is that the Grizzlies, I think they shot, like, 35 free throws compared to Minnesota 17. So they had that home court advantage, and they couldn't take advantage of it. And for whatever reason, they just they could not stop Minnesota. Minnesota just looked like the better team offensively. Yeah, I don't know that Minnesota is going to win this series or not. Um, I think they do win at least one more game, especially if the way things keep up. But... You know, it, it might have been a fluke. Um, I just don't think that 
Memphis was physically and mentally prepared for as tough as Minnesota, as Minnesota is. Um, I think they really underplayed how good Minnesota can be when they want to be. Yeah, um, it just really depends on how Memphis bounces back from their performance in game one and just overall just plays better defensively against Minnesota because Minnesota is more than capable of pulling off some upset victories. But can they pull off a series? Uh, who knows? And uh, another series that I would like to look at in particular is Nuggets and Warriors. The Golden State currently leads the series 2-0 with Steph Curry coming off the bench but notably getting 34 points in over in just under 25 minutes off the bench. And Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson just continues just playing well as a starting duo. Um, while it's a foregone conclusion that Curry will come back to the starting lineup as he gets back in uh, top form, how do you think this series is just turning out for the Nuggets? Because it's been very tough for Nikola Jokic being the only uh, main option that poses a threat against Golden State. Listen, Denver can't rely on Nikola Jokic to carry the team, not against the firepower that Golden State has. Curry's cooking, Thompson is cooking. You have the Splash Brothers back. There's no way Denver can stop them unless somebody else can step up and help Nikola on that front lines and score some more points. Essentially, Jokic's second best player is Aaron Gordon. So that's really, I think that's that says enough <clears throat> in and of itself. Now, no disrespect to Aaron Gordon, but he's no Michael Porter Jr., no Jamal Murray. And that's really what it comes down to, honestly. Like, it's not that the Nuggets are a bad team. They just, they one, they don't match up well with this Warriors team. The Warriors team, this Warriors team is able to throw a lot at Jokic and make him uncomfortable. And they're just kind of making the other, the role players beat them. And I don't think the role players for the Nuggets are good enough to beat them. And could this be a magical uh, championship run for the Warriors this season? I don't know. That remains to be seen, but they, it is going to be intriguing to see who they face in the second round if they get past Denver. Yeah, for certain. And that will finish our topic with the NBA. Now we move on to the National Hockey League. Uh, their regular season's almost coming to a close. Uh, uh, almost all of their playoff, all the playoff spots have been taken. Uh, most notably the Florida Panthers who are dominating the Eastern Conference, especially in the Atlantic Division. And then you see the Western Conference, which still has some playoff spots waiting to be determined. Um, how do you see the current playoff picture just really coming together for the NHL? Yeah, the NHL is really exciting right now. Colorado is probably going to lock up that President's Trophy um, with the best record in the league. I don't think Florida is going to be able to win enough to catch Colorado. Colorado is playing some easy teams out West um, and the playoff picture is coming together. Pretty cool. Um, the Eastern conference has all eight spots already locked up. Now it's just seating. Um, we'll see who gets matched up against who, but there should be some interesting matchups. Most notably in the East Toronto and Tampa should play each other. Um, they have some bad blood between each other. Then first place in the Metropolitan Division still up for grabs. New York's been climbing up the standings past couple weeks. And the wild cards are shifting too. So we'll see, you know, who's going to play in the wild card over there. And then out west, uh, the Central Division pretty much locked up. Just seeding to go on over there. Um, who's going to finish in the second? It's everybody against Colorado at this point. And then the Pacific Division, mm, Seating is pretty much set up how it should be unless you have a team that shifts around in the wild card and maybe makes a surprise appearance. 
Uh, I don't know that it will happen, though. I think all of these spots are pretty locked up, and there's some pretty interesting potential first-round matchups out of this. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned uh, the Rangers potentially catching Carolina. I mean, we took a tough loss in that in a matchup against them recently. So I think Carolina owns the tiebreaker, if I'm not mistaken. But <clears throat> anything can happen. Um, I will say this. I want I want your thoughts on this, Bryce. Do you, do you see the, the Capitals as a potential like wild card to go like to go all the way in the playoffs this year? What, what, do, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, they're going to have a tough first round matchup no matter who they play. Um, they're probably going to end up playing I mean if they sneak into that third spot in the Metropolitan Division over Pittsburgh they'll play a tough game against either New York or Carolina whoever comes out and if they still finish in a wild card spot whether it be first or second then they get to face Carolina or Florida so it's going to be tough but I think if they can battle it out in that first round and end up beating either Florida or Carolina they'll have a shot to make a deep run um Alex Oveshkin is on fire as always he is making insane numbers especially at his age um that you see even players in their prime don't make so they're always a good team they're always a good team to watch out for and they know how to win they just won the cup not too long ago back in 2019 yeah it's like um in hockey we see this a lot more than any other sport really where like the the last like the lowest seed can go in and knock off the highest seed it, it, it happens not more frequently, but not, not so frequently, but it does. I feel like it happens more so than any other sport. I think it was the Predators that did it a few years ago. They came in as like the A seed. <clears throat> Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember what team it was, but someone knocked off a number one seed a few years back. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting to watch. And especially in the East this year, they're all so strong. Um, it's a tough, tough race. And you have teams up there that in the East, you always see at the top right now, or there's also, you know, a team like Carolina and Florida who you don't always see at the top either. Then out West, you know, you still have four spots up for grabs, up for grabs for the playoffs that haven't been clinched yet in their seating. Um, and you have some unique teams that you don't always see up at the top, like Calgary, you hardly ever see at the top anymore. St. Louis has been gaining fire the last couple of years. Minnesota's finally on fire with Kirill Kaprizov over there. And, it's interesting to see um, goaltending is a big key for these teams as well. We'll see, you know, who has the better goaltending and who's more confident with their goaltenders to see. Um, it's also becoming a scorer's league as well. So you got to know how to score. It's pretty interesting to watch that. It's like every sport. Every sport is trending towards scoring first, defense second. Um, yeah, the, the West is, like you said, more wide open. I, I wanted, I'm interested to see if Vegas can catch Dallas for that last wildcard spot in the West. I, I think that could happen. Dallas, they seem to be just inconsistent as of late, especially, but I mean, like how about like, they have a negative six differential. That's kind of crazy that they're going to make the playoffs with a negative differential. Yeah. Dallas has been on a slide as of late. Vegas has a tough remaining schedule though. And Dallas still has a game at hand. So I think Dallas does get that spot but they're not going to make past the first round if they do. Um, they just don't have the numbers, and they'll end up playing Colorado, who's insane this year. And Colorado's going to get back a bunch of players. Um, they're going to be back healthy for the first round, and they'll blow them away. Yeah, that's a scary thing. It's like Colorado, they're doing all this in the regular season with like some of their key players being out. So I, have, I don't know. They're going to get their guys back. and it, I mean, they might, they're, I think they're the favorites to come out the West, honestly. Then you see, you know, the favorites like that. The ideal favorites right now are Colorado and Florida. Um, and Florida's doing it without their top defensemen as well. So 
we'll see, you know, what, what can happen here. Um, but there's a lot of fight. The playoffs are completely different. Most of the times, especially in the NHL, we don't see the number one seed from both sides go to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a good dark horse in the East, not, not to be a homer, but I do think that the Rangers have a chance to, to come out the East. I really, I, I, I could see it. Oh, I completely agree. Um, they have been getting hot when it matters. Um, they've been climbing the standings slowly. They made a lot of good trades at the deadline. So I'm excited to see what they do in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Can't wait, man. They're, they're the only team I can rely on right now. So uh, are you a Rangers fan, Kevin? I am. Yes. Okay. okay. Not a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I haven't uh, watched much hockey since uh, conference finals between the Islanders and the Bay Lightning. And to see the Islanders not in the playoffs this year, pretty surprising because they're usually in the playoffs. But but I do expect to uh, watch a few playoff games here and there for the NHL. And I see Florida Panthers having an eight-point lead over Toronto in the standings for the East. And then you see Colorado with a 13-point lead over Calgary. And But yeah, uh, who are your expected favorites to come out of the East and West? In the Stanley Cup. Well, I know that Vegas has both Colorado and Florida at the top. Um, I'm going to be biased here a little bit. I do see Florida at the top in the East. Um, it's going to be tough, though, if they can make it over that first round hump. They haven't won a first round since the 95 96 season. Um, I think they have a good shot at it. They built. Um, question, though, is if they can win the first round. If they can't win the first round, um, I see potentially Washington making a deep run or the Rangers making a deep run out West. If anyone can stop Colorado, it's going to be Calgary. Um, but I don't even know if Calgary can do it either. Yeah. I was going to say, I think Calgary is really like the only team, like if you're putting, if you if you want to get a good bet, a good value bet to come out of the West, I think Calgary would be them. Maybe St. Louis too. I mean, they got really hot here towards the end, but I don't know if they have enough firepower to combat Colorado. So yeah, Colorado seems to be the overwhelming favorite, but for me, I always get nervous and went tend to fade an overwhelming favorite. So, so, you know, a little shaky there, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And with that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content. To follow us on Twitter, for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Bryce, at Bryce Totes, and for Kevin, at KevinGar658. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.